you have your Bible, iPad, phone, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 1 and 2 is where we are going to begin. And this is going to really be our theme scripture for this new series that we're kicking off this morning. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 and 2 says, you'll remember, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches, speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Today we're kicking off a brand new series. You know what the title is? Jesus. Amen. I think that's the best title series we can ever come up with right there. The best name for a series is the name above all names, the king of all kings. Amen. And so Jesus, who he is and what he did in this series, obviously, as we're getting close to Easter and, and we're going to just dive into it, just as Miss Rowena was talking about and get into the word and see and focus on Jesus and who he is, what he did and, uh, and, and him as our Lord and Savior, some of his attributes, some of the things we're going to hit on. Uh, is, is Jesus the shepherd, the miracle worker, the lamb. We're going to look at the fact that Jesus is risen. Amen. You want to guess when I'm going to preach that message? Uh, good job. All right. You're awake. I'm just testing you that Jesus is risen. He is the Christ. He is God and that he is coming again. Amen. So today we're going to kick off this series by talking about Jesus, the teacher. See, the Lord Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever walked the face of this earth. You know, people would come from far distances to listen to him teach. They would come and sit for hours and not even eat to come and listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We go to church and sometimes we look at our watch like, brother, the, uh, the buffet is getting low right now, right? We, we need a roll. But uh, Jesus, they would come to sit at Jesus' feet and for hours. And that's why I mentioned earlier the, the miracle of why they fed the 5,000. They had been sitting there all afternoon listening to DJ, Jesus teach. And he said, listen, these people are hungry now. We, we need to feed them. Because he was a, 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 the, the greatest of all time when it came to teaching. And of course, the greatest person of all time to ever walk the face of the earth as he walked as a man. Jesus is referred to as teacher at least 48 times in the Gospels. Some of the things that make a good teacher, if you think about it nowadays, is being relevant, right? Being authentic, uh, maybe funny, and believes what they were teaching. Well, of course, Jesus was all of these, but the most important thing is that Jesus taught by example. He didn't just teach with his words, he taught by example. Look at John 13, 15. Jesus said, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. This was right after he washed the disciples' feet. And this is just an example of when Jesus would teach a principle, he didn't just teach in this moment about humility or serving. He actually showed them what to do. He bowed down his disciples, his own disciples, put an apron on and served them by washing their feet. See, life can be frustrating when we don't have an example. Whether you was a, a, a child and didn't have an example of maybe a father or, or, or a mother or, or different things in life, you know, uh, it can be very frustrating. Like, for example, just in simple things, I don't know how you're wired, but for me, if somebody tells me to do something I've never done before, I want you to show me how to do it first. You can tell me all day long, look, you just need to go here. You need to do this. You need to, you know, cut this out, screw this here, this and that. I'm like, okay, I'm taking notes, but I, I need to see you do it. I need a visual. Sometimes I need you to do it maybe twice and then I can get it right. But if I see it, I'll learn better. I'll get the example and I'll be able to live that out. And that's exactly what Jesus did. 
So when we don't have an example, we can, or we're not looking to an example, we can get into trouble in life. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. When we don't have an example or someone to teach us in life, we do things that seem right, but it can cause a lot of pain and end in destruction. How many of you say, Brandon, I, that's happened in my life? I've done things that I did. I, I tried to do on my own that seemed right, but with no example, no godly example, or an example of like Ms. Rowena was talking about, not being in the Word, not studying the Word, reading the Word, or, or, or looking for an example, Jesus being the greatest one, there's been some pain and destruction in my life. Here, here's a couple of things that are happening. If, if we don't have an example, we don't know what to do. We try to fix things on our own. Isn't that right? We try to fix things ourselves. You know, we had an amazing marriage conference yesterday. How many of y'all came to the marriage conference yesterday? It was awesome. Great teachers of simulcast. We had fun. We gave away some great giveaways. And, you know, it, it was awesome. But, you know, that's, that's what happens a lot of times in marriages. Marriages that are falling apart, they didn't have an example of a healthy marriage. So we try to fix it ourselves. But what, what's been great, what I talked about all last night and yesterday is that, you know what, the, the great thing is, is that God has given us an example of marriage all through the Bible. His word, again, as we get into his word, and now he's given us godly men and women to break it down further to help us and to teach us. The second thing is we might look to others that are bad examples. We didn't have any examples, so we'll look to others to try to see how we're supposed to go back into relationships and communications. And since we didn't have an example, we pick somebody, but they're super dysfunctional in their relationships and their communication. And again, we say, okay, well, this seems right, so I'm going to do it, and it doesn't work out. Are we learned to live with it and just give up? This brings on discouragement, depression, and a destructive lifestyle. Or the fourth and final things that a lot of times people maybe wait to the end is we finally turn to God for help. And we ask him, we look to him. What if we do this first? See, Jesus walked the earth as a man to take us through a progression of things that he wants to teach us. Ephesians 5.1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Just as children follow their parents' examples, as believers, we should follow God's example through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about that Jesus is, was made manifest in human form as God. Amen? He is God, but he is the visible expression of, of, of the invisible God. Ephesians 5.1, another translation says, keep company with him and learn a life of love. See, we go to school and we, we send our kids to school and we look to people that are examples to learn from so we can live it out. The Bible encourages learn from the living word himself. Amen. So here are a few main things that Jesus came to teach. Of course, this is not a, 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 an exhaustive list, but there's some of the main things that the Lord Jesus came, began to walk on the earth. As we look at this morning, Jesus, the teacher. Number one, Jesus shows us how to overcome temptation. And this temptation has become greater and greater, I think, again, in our day and age as we live in with, with the technology we have and the, 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 thif, the, the temptation to just join into the what Pastor Kelly calls the dumpster fire of social media and everything, all the negativity that's going on. Look at Matthew 4, 1, 11. Some of you may be familiar with the scripture, some of you maybe not. Maybe not. As Ms. Rowena said, if you haven't read the word, and you're not, you may not be. So I hope that this morning, going back to on that, as a matter of fact, I told her, I encouraged her, I had a feeling somebody was going to come up uh, with a word this morning. And so I didn't realize that she had my introduction already uh, ready to go. But see, I hope if you're not in the word every day, 
when you come to church on Sunday mornings, as we begin to talk about Jesus, it sparks a hunger for the word. You know, sometimes you ever like, man, I'm not even really that hungry. And, some, you know, your mama or somebody's like, you need to eat. Come on, baby, you need to eat. And you start eating a little bit, then you realize you're hungry, right? So I hope that this every week, but especially during this series, it sparks a hunger for the word of God, for you to get into the word each and every day. Matthew 4, beginning verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Now remember that line. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself off. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. See, the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness. In other words, it says he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus knew he was going to be tempted. See, even for us, I think sometimes we got to remember when we become Christians and when things are going good, we, we, we forget sometimes that that's part of it. Jesus said you will always have temptation. So the Holy Spirit actually led him so he could be tempted. Now, Jesus was not tempted so that God the Father couldn't learn anything about his son. Let me make that clear. He already had the divine approval from God the Father. So why was Jesus led in there? Jesus was, was tempted so that every creation, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth might know that Jesus Christ is conqueror of all. Amen? He, he wanted to show right out the gate. See, Jesus exposed Satan and his tactics and he defeated the enemy. But also, Jesus used his victory over the tempter as an example to show us how we can have victory over the tempter as well. So we got to see that Jesus was teaching us lessons all through the Bible, not just when he was speaking, right? There wasn't a lesson where he said, hey, remember, <coughs> excuse me, back then or back then. As he's living his life, he's teaching us lessons. Are y'all tracking with me? So we look at that a lot of times. We see that, that, that he's showing us, he's giving us an example. <coughs> excuse me. It's important to know that Jesus faced the enemy as a man, not as the son of God. And that's why I said earlier to pay attention. His first words to Satan was this, man shall not live on bread alone. He was being tempted as a man. He is 100% God and 100% man. But when he came down to the earth, he poured out all of what was in his divine nature to walk the earth. Why? To give us an example to show us that we can do it as well. He relied on the Holy Spirit, and of course, he was the living word, but also on the word of God. See, we must understand this, that Jesus didn't use his divine powers to overcome the enemy, because that's just what the enemy was tempting him to do, right? He was saying, well, look, why don't you just do a miracle here, man? Why don't you just throw yourself off? All these things he knew Jesus can do supernaturally because of his divine nature, but he didn't. Well, why didn't he do that? Jesus used the spiritual resources that are available to us today as an example. 
to show us. And of course, we know it's the power of the Holy Spirit because we know at the beginning he was led into the wilderness and then also the power of the word of God. So going back to what Miss Rowena was talking about, right? You can't use the word if you don't know the word. You can't use the word to overcome temptation if you don't have the word of God in you. When I first got saved, one of the pastors on staff was encouraging me about getting the word. And he said, Brandon, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do, but he can't pull a scripture out of you that's not in there. It's got to be in there in order for you to come out, to be to use it in this specifically to overcome temptation. That's the lesson Jesus was showing us, is that we can overcome temptation and the enemy with the power of God's spirit and his word. One of my favorite scriptures on temptation is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So let me encourage you, when you get tempted, the enemy will lie to you and say, Jacob, you're the only one dealing with this, brother. You're standing on an island and man, you're the youth pastor. You're supposed to be better than this. Come on. Nobody else is even dealing with that. Even in, that's how the enemy will speak to us. The Bible tells us the temptation we experience, other people are experiencing too. So don't ever allow the enemy to lie to you and tell you you're the only one dealing with that. Because the word of God tells us different. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. How does he show us the way out? By his spirit, through his word. Amen? So going back to the word, if you don't know the word, if you're not walking with the Holy Spirit, you won't know the way out. The way God communicates with us on the earth today is by the Holy Spirit and through his word. Now, of course, through other people as well, but he came, Jesus came to show us God himself, the son of God, didn't use supernatural powers to overcome temptation He was led by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit, and used the written word to overcome temptation. And he gave us an example how we can do the same thing. Amen? Secondly, Jesus shows us how to face impossible situations. In John chapter 11, two sisters faced an impossible situation, and they wanted it to be fixed on their timetable. Come on, somebody. Our timetable is even shorter nowadays, right? Even quicker. In the fast food uh, industry, the, the high-speed internet, we want things like this. Lord, fix it and fix it now, right? But even these ladies, these ladies were in a bind. They had a brother that was sick. Let's pick up the story. John chapter 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured an expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? So you got to understand something. These two sisters were in a dilemma because they knew what the disciples knew. They called for Jesus to come back to heal their brother, but knew that if he would come back, he would be in danger. So they faced a dilemma. They knew asking Jesus to come back would make the situation even more impossible. But then these ladies' situation went from impossible or bad to even more impossible because their brother died. Verse 17 says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. 
He died. He's already buried. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha, or Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I believe that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Drop down, pick up, and finish up the story in verse 39. He gets there. He lets them know, hey, look, you're about to see God glorified in a miracle right here. He says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Man, isn't that just like us? I just thought about that as I'm reading that. We're like, Lord, do a miracle, do a miracle. No, no, Lord, don't do it that way. That's not, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad, though. It's going to smell. Isn't that just like, don't we do the same thing? We cry out to God for God to make a way. Then he starts doing something that says, no, 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 not like that. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Amen? By the way, this is a great time and a great illustration of why it's so important to get connected to, to life groups. See, we were all spiritually dead. And Jesus supernaturally raised us to new life in Christ. But you know what? It's people that helps you to get free. Our vision for you is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Jesus raised him from the dead, but he used people to get him free from all of the things that were bounding him up. It's the same today. So I want to encourage you. That's why it's important to be in a life group, to get in a a small group of people that do life together that can help you as God sets you free. They help you to walk through this freedom. Amen? We see Jesus uses the word believe five times in the last few verses we just read. He helped Martha to believe not only he was the healer, but that he was the one that could resurrect the dead. She originally went to him to say, Lord, come and heal my brother. He's sick. His brother dies. Then she realizes, okay, wait, he can not only heal the sick, but he can raise the dead. And even though the full invocations were beyond what she can comprehend, Martha confessed her faith in Jesus and acknowledged his ability and him as the Messiah. So the lesson here is that faith is the solution to impossible situations. In order for us to face impossible situations, we got to have faith. Can you not see the Lord Jesus drove that home? If you believe, if you believe, if you believe, right? If you believe in who I am and what I can do, you can face any impossible situation. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. We can't face impossible situations. We can't please the Lord without faith. We come to God in faith knowing he's real and he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. He rewards faith. And faith is what gives us the endurance to continue to face impossible situations. 
Are you facing an impossible situation right now? As we, Blue was, was saying while we were leading worship, he felt somebody needed a miracle. You may need a miracle. You may be facing an impossible situation right now. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ came and lived and showed us how to face impossible situations. And it's by having faith in him. It's by trusting him. It's by looking. We even sang the song, I was made to walk on the water, right? Peter walked on the water just fine as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus. When his eyes focused on his situation, which, come on, somebody, is impossible to walk. Anybody in here walked on water yet? No? Right? He was performing an impossible situation. He walked on the water. When he had faith and his eyes was on the Lord, he was fine. When his eyes stayed focused or got back on the storm and the winds and waves, he began to sink. Faith is the key to impossible situations. I never saw this before. As I was studying this week, I found out that the Hebrew word for Lazarus is actually shortened, is the shortened form of Eliezer, which means God helps. I love how the Lord does that. You see that? that those are the things, those are little nuggets in the word. He, he, he raises a man from the dead whose name means God helps. Isn't that awesome? He helped that brother out big time, right? But not only helped him out, it, he helped his sisters out. They, he helped, Jesus helped his sisters to believe in who he was. You know, and I got her permission as I was checking on, on, on Brandy and, and Reagan this morning. I think about the Lyles. I think about Brandy and Reagan. And, and this situation with them has started for over two years ago. Mr. Bill's health started declining. And the things that this precious family, his wife and his young 16-year-old daughter has faced, but just to watch them, it, it, it nearly impossible situation to watch them go through, especially Brandy as a as a, a wife and a mom and now a caretaker. Some of y'all have been there, right? I've watched as, as either a, a mother or father, maybe a spouse has declined. But to see how they continue to trust in the Lord and lean on the Lord during this time has really been amazing. Even talking to Reagan one, one night in the lobby uh, a couple of months ago, she was telling me about how some friends of hers that she has that don't know the Lord, that are atheists, she'd begin to witness to them and begin to share Jesus with them because they're like, man, you're going through all this with your dad and you still have a great attitude. You're still smiling and you're still talking about the Lord. Amen. She was able to not only face an impossible situation, but this 16-year-old girl was able to share Jesus with others. Amen. Because of their faith. Isn't that right? Amen. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said to him, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. We face impossible situations. We get through impossible situations by our faith. Now, obviously, like the sisters, it doesn't always turn out the way we want it to, right? It doesn't always happen. It doesn't always look the way that we want it to. But I promise you, you can face them and you can go through them full steam ahead when you put your total faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Thirdly, Jesus shows us how to submit to God's plan. Let's look at what Jesus prayed just hours before going to be beaten, tortured, and nailed to the cross. And again, we'll preach a whole message. Matter of fact, that week, Pastor Todd's going to be preaching on the cross and, and Jesus as the lamb. But let's look at what he says right here, Matthew 26, 39. Then he walked a short distance away and overcame and overcome with grief. He threw himself down on the ground and prayed. Let me stop, by the way. I love this. It shows you that Jesus is familiar with grief, right? Bible says he was overcome with grief so he can relate to our grief and our pain. My father, is there any way you can deliver me from this suffering? Please take it away from me. Yet I 
What I want is not important. I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel came from heaven and appeared to strengthen him. Verse 42. Then he left for them for a second time, speaking to Jesus, to pray in solitude. He said to God, my father, if there is not a way you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. See, don't think that Jesus was agonizing because of the fear of death. Jesus did not fear death. Matter of fact, the Bible makes it clear. He faced it with courage and peace. The suffering he was about to face was also not just physical suffering. See, many people throughout the ages have been arrested, beaten, and slain because of their faith. We must remember only the Lord Jesus Christ himself took the sins of mankind on his body and became a curse for all of us. That's why he was agonizing. You had the physical pain, but you had the weight. I mean, think about it. Not even all the people that were on the earth at the time Jesus was crucified, but every person that was living before that time and every single person I'll be living until this whole thing's wrapped up was placed upon Jesus in one moment. And that's why he was agonizing. You see, when he was walking to that whipping post and walking to the cross, every step had purpose. Let me say it this way. Every step had a name behind it. Every step that was going to that whipping post and that cross had your name and my name behind it. He followed God's plan. He submitted to God's plan because he had a purpose. And it was me and you. The lesson is that the solution to obedience is submission. It's submitting to God's plan for our life, especially in suffering. I knew I wasn't going to get no single amen from that one, but that is the God-honest word of God truth. God has a plan for us even in our suffering. Jesus is the perfect example of that, right? The torture that he went through, the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical, of course, torture that Jesus went through and that no man has ever had to go through and never will have to go through again on the face of this earth. He submitted to it in obedience because he knew it was his purpose. Matthew 26, 42. My father, if it is not possible to save me from this time of great pain, then I want to obey you. What a powerful but dangerous prayer we should pray. Lord, whatever it takes, I will obey you. Lord, whatever I have to go through, I will obey your plan for my life. None of y'all going to see that find your purpose banner, uh, look at it the same <laughs> from this day forward, right? But we do. We need to find our purpose. We need to know our purpose. Because the truth is, church, we know, and, and you may be new to Christianity. You may be tuning online for the first time. If you've been told coming to Christ solves your problems and all your pain goes away, somebody's lied to you. Because Jesus never said that. Jesus said we would walk through pain. He said, take up your cross and follow me. But he said he would be with us every step of the way. Let me say it this way. Pain is part of the plan. Because we all go through pain, right? We all go through suffering. But man, I'd much rather walk through pain and know I'm in the plan, will, purpose, and destiny of God than walk through pain and it's for nothing. Amen? Jesus went to extreme measures to show us the value of obedience. And again, don't get me wrong, the purpose of the cross was for our salvation, the salvation of mankind. But what a great lesson of submitting to God's plan for our lives that we see leading up to and at the cross. 
Aren't you glad Jesus submitted to God's plan? Me and you wouldn't be sitting here today and wouldn't have even a, 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 a shot at eternity if Jesus didn't submit to the plan of God for his life. 1 Peter 2.21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The Bible makes it clear, if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to follow in the steps of some type of suffering as well, right? So let me ask you this question. Have you truly submitted to your life, your life to God's will, even in suffering? Matter of fact, well, let me not say that. I didn't get, I didn't get her permission to say that. I don't want to get in trouble with my wife. So, but that, that last song, you know, we, or one of the songs we sang, Refiner, I want to be tried by fire. Some of y'all are probably like, I, mm, I want to be, mm, do I really want to sing that? Do I, do I? But the truth is, it is. That's how we refine. That's how we are made and molded into the image of God. And in his plan, his perfect plan for our life, there will be suffering. But I want to encourage you to surrender and submit to the plan of God for your life. Amen. Come to know God. Live free. Help people to help you get free through life groups. Find your purpose. And through it all, listen, we can make a difference. Jesus made the greatest difference of all time, right? And we can also follow in his footsteps with that. Right. And the fourth and final thing, Jesus showed us how to give unconditional love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Let your life with live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. Isn't that awesome? What we just talked about just hit on the cross. That was a, that was a sweet, sweet smell and aroma to the Lord that he sacrificed for us. Obviously, the greatest example Jesus gave us of unconditional love is when he suffered and died and laid on his life on the cross, knowing that we would still sin and reject him. But here's a couple of more as we wrap things up today. And I mentioned it earlier. Jesus knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet. Now that in itself is a, is a, a sign of humility. To bow, to, to, to get down and wash somebody's feet. But he knew that one of the guy's feet who he would wash would be betraying him soon. Talk about unconditional love. If you knew, if we knew somebody, they hadn't yet, but they were going to stab us in the back, would we still show them unconditional love? Jesus gave us a great example of doing that. Let's look at another one. Luke 23, 33, let's go back to the cross again. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. The criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. When You know, when Jesus prayed that, that he forgave them, you know, obviously he was giving us a great example. Here's people that are torturing him. Literally nailing him to a cross. Literally in that moment, driving stakes. These aren't little finishing nails. These are stakes they were driving through his hands and his feet. And in that moment, he's yelling out that his father would forgive them. Unconditional love. And not only was he practicing what he taught us, he was also fulfilling a prophecy, which is awesome. Isaiah 53, 12 says, He bare the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. The same people that were nailing him to the cross, he was interceding and praying for. Have you been showing unconditional love in your life each and every day? Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You're right. But I know what they did to Jesus. 
And I know he loved them no matter what. He loved us. I know we've done a lot to Jesus. You know, we learned about this yesterday, a lot of it, about what our spouses, with our children. And even that, you know, they can rub us the wrong way. But what about people that constantly do you wrong? Can you still love them? Listen, we can't love on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. That agape love Pastor Todd talked about a few weeks ago. We can only love with unconditional love when we come to Jesus, look to him for his example, and get filled with his love through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just, you know, I can't talk about this again without honoring my mom. I watched my mom live this out her whole life that I can remember, especially her saved life. Loving unconditionally. My brother went through a lot of things and put her through a lot of things. And, and uh, as he, he had a struggle with addiction and whatnot uh, later on in life. And man, I just remember, you know, just to see, you can see how frustrated, how disappointed she was. But she just continued to love. And even not only us, I mean, of course, we're her sons, but, you know, so many people here at this church and around just watching my mom walk in unconditional love. It can be done, church. It can be done. So as we close, Jesus did not only come to earth just to die. He came to teach us how to live. Amen. He came to teach us how to live. But his death guarantees us eternal life. Remember, the reason Jesus submitted to God's plan of suffering was so we can be in relationship with him here on earth and spend eternity with him in heaven. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You know what that joy was? You and me. We were the joy that was set before him. His eyes weren't looking just to the cross. His eyes were looking beyond the cross, and they were fixed on us. So just as Jesus fixed his eyes on us, heading to that whipping post and that cross, we need to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you bow your head with me? Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to this earth and not only teaching us with your words, but living your life as an example. All through the word, Lord. I pray, Father God, that we would understand that 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 your word is more than just a book. It's not his, just historical context, but it, it's 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 a it's a a map, Lord. It, it's a as example on every page and every line, Lord, of how to live our lives. Lord, so today I pray those of us that may have been distracted. Come on, church. You may, maybe you haven't been fixing your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you've been looking to other people as an example. Maybe you've been trying to figure things out on your own or do it on your own. Maybe you've been so discouraged with life and your relationships that you are just giving up. I want to encourage you to fix your eyes back on Jesus this morning. Look to him, the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's the author and the perfecter of your marriage, of your children, of everything around you. And if today, as I said earlier, when we were praying and we were re-surrendering or giving our lives to the Lord, maybe you've never done that. Again, he died on the cross to make a way for us. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even when he dies. Well, man, what in the world does that mean? When our physical body dies, we're going to live for all eternity. But we can only do that if we believe and trust in Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, even if you're at home this morning,
and you say, Brandon, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm actually scared about what's going to happen when I die. But I want to believe today. I want to trust in Jesus that I could walk with him today on this earth and spend eternity with him in, in heaven. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I need to get right. I see your hand in the back, sir, right here in the middle. Hands going up all over. Thank you, Jesus. Over here to my left, my right. Thank you, Lord. Hands going up all over the auditorium. Thank you, Lord. In every section right now, there's hands up. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Even at home, I want you to just lift your hand. Come on, you can start a new life today in Christ and be assured of eternal life in heaven. I see your hands back here over here. Young people still raising their hands. Anybody else? Hands going up. Thank you, Lord. Bible says if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. But it also says we must repent of our sin. We've all have sin in our life. We need to repent. It means to turn away and turn to Jesus. So let's pray this prayer. Something like this. In faith. It's not the words itself. It's the faith that's combined with your confession of Jesus. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to the earth to show me how to live. Lord, now I know that I've sinned and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Thank you for going to the cross that I can be saved and I can be forgiven. I receive the free gift of salvation today, Lord. I look to you today and all my days as an example of how I'm going to live. Give me the grace and the strength to do this. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, somebody. Let's, let's congratulate and celebrate these today. Congratulations. You prayed that prayer for the first time. There's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. If you're online, there's a card, a link that says Connect Card. Fill that out. You can bring it to the Info Center or send it to us online. For the rest of us, why don't we stand up? Amen. I want to pray through this before we leave, too. Maybe you're facing some temptation. Maybe you're facing some in, in impossible situation. Maybe you're having trouble showing unconditional love to somebody. Why don't you just bow your head with me? Let, let me let's go through these right now. Maybe you're having trouble finding or submitting to God's plan. Maybe you know that plan for your life. It's already starting to cause some pain or some suffering. But look at it the other way. It's not necessarily the plan's going to cause pain, but God works our plan through the pain. Even as we're going in it, we think, well, man, this can't be a part of what God wants to do. Yes, he's working in it. Amen. He's working all things to the good, even in your suffering and pain. Let's pray through that. Maybe you're here today and you say, Brian, I'm facing temptation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to give us an example of how we can overcome temptation by the power of your word and the power of your spirit. Lord, any of those that are facing temptation strong right now, I pray help them to tap into your spirit and your word to overcome, Lord. And I pray for anybody that's facing an impossible situation. If that's you, I just feel like I need you to raise your hand. You say, Brandon, I need a miracle. I'm facing an impossible situation in my life. I want to pray over you. Father, you see the hands. I pray that faith would arise in them right now. Those that are facing 
facing the impossible. Those, Lord God, that can't see a way out, Lord God. Just like Mary and Martha, I pray that they would have faith. And you said faith comes hearing, but hearing by the word of God. And the word of God was preached this morning. The words of Jesus, Lord, I pray would rise up in them. That they would have faith. That they would look to you to face and to go through this impossible situation. We pray for miracles in their lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray you help us to find and and discover our purpose and the plan for our lives. And, Lord, that we would submit to that, even in the midst of suffering. Help us, Lord. Come on, you may want to tell you, Lord, I want to submit even through suffering, Lord God, in my life. And, Lord, I pray that you help us to love unconditionally. Lord, we exalt you. We love you. We bless you this morning. Strengthen and help these as they go today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, we love y'all. God bless y'all. Hey, check out the Life Group kiosk on your way out. Get connected. If you need any prayer specific, we'll be up here. Love you and see you soon.